Yeah, so we're actually going to, this is actually after the episode, we're letting people know what's going on in the episode because we start out pretty comedic, uh, going off on uh, goofy tangents, and then we get into some topics that we all care about, and that's, uh, we talk about this at the end as well, it's just the flow of the show, it's the natural flow, it's the authentic show, or uh, authenticity of our show, so uh, we're not editing it, we're just leaving it, it starts out goofy, uh, gets a little serious, and then ends up really goofy, no. so, uh, that's just us. Was that the intro? Yeah, that was it. Oh, I thought <laughs> we were going to do one. Wow. Can we do another for that one? <laughs> That's it. And that. roll the theme song. <laughs> I think that was perfect. That was perfect. That was good. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I can't believe that many words actually came out of me properly in a row. <laughs> yeah, there was a point where you felt like impressed with yourself. I, I, no, I still am. I'm still, <laughs> I, I, don't yeah, but you could feel it. Hold on. Toledo, yeah. don't play the theme song yet. Do yeah. it after this because I'm actually congratulating myself and only being mocked slightly. Yeah. And go. The Caliendo Cast with Frank Caliendo, John Holmberg, Scott Long. And the rest of the Caliendo crew. It's the most important podcast in the history of Western civilization. Yeah, thanks for being inside this week, John, as we start the <laughs> Caliendo cast. I, I just I'll appreciate pop right out. The door's right here. No, or maybe we'll let the birds in, quote the raven nevermore. Let me open some windows. No, please. And oh, sorry. I love that. Are you using Are you using your handheld mic that's not plugged into anything? Did I just see? Yes. <laughs> it's not even real. Well, everybody else has one. You have prop work. I'm prop. I'm carrot topping. I'm so bored. Do you remember the original carrot top uh, television appearances where he would fasten the microphone in a harness to his body? Yes. There was a contraption. Over, over. Yes. Yeah. Over, yeah. It was yeah. an over-the-shoulder unit. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was pretty surreal that that was what the technology was. <laughs> just, just, the, just the way, I know most people are getting us um, audio only. Although we are going to start putting stuff on YouTube. Jose is uh, working on that now. He might not even know that, but he's listening. So uh, we're going to have, uh, start putting all these up on YouTube. Um, as you bring the drink in, just the way it's uh, the three-dimensional look of it as it comes toward you i want to get some red and blue glasses and enjoy it (laughs) so before we really get into stuff there was something that as we set up the john lovitz episode which by the way is the number one downloaded episode in the first 24 hours by far toledo said in america uh in no the world oh my god yeah it it might even be intergalactic planetary (laughs) planetary intergalactic yes (laughs) the beastie boys big time so um that's that's massive uh which is really great and i'm going to be using that to get us even more guests as of right now tomorrow we're supposed to record uh this is this is coming out a day later but uh in the in the next couple days we're supposed to record with bobby lee um dennis miller and I'm going to work on a couple other people as well. Wow. We've got Ed Milet said he will do it as well. Motivational speaker, 
uh, one of the richest people, 50 under 50 in maybe the world. I know at least the United States, um, but massive Instagram presence and just one of those guys you get in a room with him and you know, some of those guys are just such snake oil salesmen. You can feel it around them. You get in there, motivational speakers. And he, I mean, I went to his house to do the interview with him last year. And I was blown away about the authenticity and how he just approached everything. He's like, well, here's, here's how I feel about this and this, even off camera. I was, Cause I was kind of worried going into it. I was like, ah, right. this guy's a big Instagram guy. I'm going to dislike him when I meet him. But I was like, <laughs> holy crap, this is, this is fantastic. So, um, uh, all the stuff going up on YouTube and we'll, uh, we'll send some links out for that from the, um, Twitter and, feeds and all that types of stuff as well. So, because people have been asking for the visuals. So as in the Lovitz episode, as we led into it, you talked a little bit about, uh, or we were talking about the drive over and stuff like that. And there was one more point you wanted to make. Do you remember oh, that? Yeah. yeah, no, we, uh, we had talked about how he was nervous uh, going into the, the interview with you. He's very, I don't know, possessive of the people he wants to be around and nervous about people he doesn't know. And he hadn't really met you yet. So he didn't, and he doesn't want to do podcasts. So in the beginning, he's kind of like, well, I, I guess I, I'll do it, but I don't really want to, but I, he's all right. So, okay, I'll do it. And so you said that when he was driving with you, we didn't know I was going to be there, but he asked me, are you going to be there? So at the end of the night, we go and see his, uh, his he was at the improv. And so we went and saw his show together. And afterwards, he's like, come back into the green room. I want to hang out with everybody. And he's all John Lovitzy for hours. But it felt like hours back backstage <laughs> and so i had spent time with john uh, john lovitz at dinner uh, once before and he never really connected with the other people at dinner it was just me <laughs> and it was the night ronda rousey got punched by holly holm and her face blew up and, and lovitz is literally sitting next to me holding my arm while while his opener jimmy wisman is trying to talk to him my wife's there a friend of mine and another friend are sitting at the table he doesn't acknowledge their presence we're in the restaurant he goes holly home just beat up ronda rousey and he grabs me and somebody <laughs> says so johnny goes i was talking to him and i'm like oh this is weird and everybody left that saying it was the weirdest night yeah and i'm like actually it was okay he just he only liked me for whatever reason right. so i knew that going in with you he ends up taking to you like a fish to water he loved frank and at the end of the night in the green room me mr i'm only talking to him has turned into the guy standing next to frank and so Frank's getting his phone number, and I'm, I didn't even ask. I, I didn't want it. And he's standing next to me and he goes, I guess you can have it too. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just became this like, ugh, get out of here. Yuck, I've met a celebrity. And he moved me, but still kind of kept me close enough in case Frank and him did implode at one point. He had he's closer to my world than you. You are a radio guy. Yeah. He texted me from the airport the next day. I'm waiting for my plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, getting a text from John Lovitz, it's impossible not to read as John Lovitz. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll be in in an hour. You're welcome. <laughs> That's Your welcome is inferred. Yeah, he texted me when he was coming in the studio. I'll be there in one hour. You're welcome. <laughs> and that was, I didn't even say anything back. I'm like, that says everything. He's great. So, and we're getting tons and, and tons of uh, crazy. For the people saying they listened to that episode two to three times. And then I texted you that, John, and you said, um, it's not people that are, good. 
It's, no, it's not. It is not that good. People are bored. <laughs> I think we've done. I think we've done better since. Well, I, I think, think there's uh, one of the things is it's uh, it's us in the studio and going back and yeah. forth with a sketch performer. Yeah. And we get to play that game. I think anybody we have right now is going to be a little bit different. Um, and uh, Scott, we'll get you in here in a second. I just uh, or not. wanted to get in that love. It. Or not. Yeah. yeah. Not. Maybe not, I guess I can bring you in too. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, but I, the, 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 I, I, I listened to the Lovitz episode. So and, give us your, yeah. So give yeah, us your take on that. Yeah. Um, Terrible. Didn't like it. Uh, well, early I didn't like it because there was something missing, which was my <laughs> ego. And then I started listening more because you guys had told me how good it was. It was like one of those, oh, this is the, this is so great. So I'm playing it up, but it just got better and better. Yep. The, the second half was great. The second half is beyond. That's, the second yeah. half, I almost made it a two-part because the first half is almost like him going through like paint by numbers. We're just talking and doing interview stuff. In the second half, once my wife and Juliet come in and the dogs start running around, he loosens up and doesn't care anymore. Right. And he's almost mad for a second, but yes. then he's happy mad. He's love it's mad where he's like, screw it all. I'm going for it. Fuck what? you. Yeah, general, what kind of operation <laughs> is this? I thought you were professionals. Fuck it. But it made him... It, it definitely made him uh, put him in a different mood and more yes. fun. But we, it was like two podcasts uh, worth. And I haven't told you this yet, Scott, but you're not invited to Bobby Lee or uh, Dennis, <laughs> Dennis Miller. Miller. <laughs> Don't tell your Dennis Miller story, Scott. No, I, I won't, first until off. After I took, look, I took it off the internet. That'll tell oh, you. you. I, had it, I had it posted and I pulled it off. But what yeah, I will I tell you is, But no, I love – look – Dennis Miller and George Carlin were the two reasons, maybe Bill Hicks, those three. When I started, when I was 25 years old, those were the three comedians that made me want to be a comedian. So, uh, and Dennis Miller is the only one of the three that I ever met. So, uh, no, I'm, I'll be pissed. I could give a shit if I'm on the Bobby Lee one, though I got some good <laughs> questions. It would hurt. You got to do a topless. Yeah. <laughs> I do have some Polly Shore questions for him, but I, uh, is that <laughs> supposedly, Oh God. Yeah. yeah I supposedly if, if you are the opener for, for Polly Shore, it's the greatest job in comedy because of two reasons you get all the Polly Shore runoff. That was when they had all the strippers and the porn stars that would show up. And secondly, you're a comedy genius because Polly Shore's following you, yeah. and everyone on the way out says, "Wow, you're really funny." Because <laughs> he's not that funny. So, uh, by the way, next then, week uh, we have Polly Shore as well. Yeah. <laughs> I won't be here for that one either. Oh, that's right. You can't. Yeah, you won't even be a part of that. I'd be a part of it. He wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> what if we? What if we put you both in different costumes and didn't tell oh. either of you? Ooh. And he's he like, he's got a mustache. He's like, hey, bro, what's going on here? Gonna hear I'm sorry, Martha, and the Jeopardy contestant, Polly Shore, and Celebrity Week. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he he would give it away because he'd be still. He still wears those short jean jean shorts, right, Polly? I, that I would was gather. the that was the problem. He had a shirt that said "I'm the Weasel" on it. Yeah. And I made, 
I made a reference to it and he goes, why do you want to talk about the past so much? I'm like, you're in a shirt that says I'm the weasel. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm from the future, John Holmberg, and I bought this from the Scott Long store. (laughs) Bro, you don't understand, bro. And I made a joke because he said he had an idea for a serious movie. And he said, uh, and, and so we went on about this story. I said, it's about four people, bro, and their house gets taken away and they try to live together on the streets. And I said, and with a caveman? And you audibly hear him go, oh. <laughs> well, I do you have to talk about the past, bro? Okay, guy in the I'm a weasel shirt. Right. Shut up. And that's when he started the infamous spatula, which we found out a year later is his code word to his handler to get him out of there. And he said it four am, times. Nobody got it. He stayed the whole I am, time. I am totally broke right now. No money coming in. But I'm interested in buying an I'm a weasel. I'm the weasel <laughs> t-shirt for Holmberg. That, <laughs> By the way, big difference between I'm a weasel t-shirt yeah. and I'm the yes. weasel. Well, I think t-shirt. that's why he got mad. Because I said, you have a shirt that says I'm a weasel. And he said, I'm the weasel, bro. And I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. You're the one in the oh, that's good. Yeah, what is that? That's a, de- a definitive article versus, uh, yeah, Ooh, a versus the. The grammar man. The grammar yeah, took- man. The grammar man can, who can take a sentence and get a sleigh he hit at the end of the show. Yeah, oh man. If he doesn't know who Sammy Davis is, though. You're not supposed to give that up. If he doesn't know, that's not going to matter. Hey, man. Homer didn't say junior, so he didn't give anything True. That is his father. That's Sammy's father. Isn't that a Billy Crystal character, man? (laughs) Billy Crystal, who's that? There it goes. I, I knew exactly where you're going with that for Salehi, but I'm going to go in with one because I can do it. Why not? So one of the things we had talked about a little bit about, John, you, um, we moved back our recording today um, yeah. because you – and you never need this. This is interesting to me because I think of you as a machine. And uh, Kreischer-like. Um, <laughs> Fat and drunk. <laughs> and in trouble with the Russians. A lot of times. By the way, I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> so you actually said uh, when I texted back and forth and I was, I always get times from you guys, like what, what works and stuff like that. And right. John always says, I'm available whenever, whenever <laughs> it's all good. And then I get a text uh, yesterday. I go still good for noon. No, not. Well, yeah, not exactly that, but pretty so close. You wanted a little time because it's been so different on the radio uh, with not, you know, a lack of normal activities and all coronavirus feeling all the time. That's why I like bringing the guests in too right now, even yep. more than I would, because we can only talk about being stuck and doing so little for so long. It's fun to listen to other guests talk about this. <laughs> yeah, being stuck in their houses. Yeah, it's true. And like most of the time, I don't mind. Sometimes you need a little bit of a, a, a break between four and a half hours of radio and then the podcast, if we're doing it right on top of each other, most of the time it's like, I can just go. But uh, you said 1230 yesterday. And at first I was like, I could probably be at work about 12. I'll be home about 1215. That's going to be tight, but I can do it. And the more I thought about it, the more drained I felt. And uh, you guys know that if you're like doing your, your performance, uh, it, you come off stage. It's 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 mentally draining. It can. Just I hate second up. and especially third shows. They oh, just, third show, not, I can't even imagine. But uh, uh, 
A second show's rough because you give all you got. And right now I have, like I, I told Frank this, I'm like, I think I've written probably four or five Netflix hour specials just with material that I'm, I'm going after all morning because it is, I mean, you talk about the machine part of like always wanting to create something or be interesting or be engaging. And normally you can say, we'll save that for tomorrow or we'll do that later. There is nothing new. There's nothing really reference point new. So you have to kind of dig in to funny deeper than ever. I, I, it's made me better. I think this last month has made me better than maybe ever on the air as far as grabbing stuff. But it, I am coming home like I worked outside physically for hours. I am beat. And it hasn't happened in years. And it's, it, I mean, it sounds really bad to say, oh, it's so hard. But it really is. This is the first time I can say, man, this is hard work. There's no topics. There's no common culture outside of this disease and people sitting at home. There's no, there's no common topic outside of uh, everybody's kind of based in fear. I don't care what echo or a socioeconomic thing you're in. You feel like, is this it? And uh, everybody's there. So you have to kind of dance around the obvious fear. It's almost like going to a church and trying to be funny with blue humor. You have to be real careful that you don't offend some people because it's truly scary to a lot of folks. And you also have to be there for the people who are like, I, I want it to be dark. I want to go. It's kind of more like me. Like I want to face reality and, and truly be the voice of what's happening out there for a, for a group of people listening to you. And you find it like 10 o'clock in the morning and credit to the guys on the show. We're all doing it, but it is, it is uh, like looking at things and going, all right, let's just talk about what's on our minds. You are, it's a therapy session a lot. It's funny. I think we're being funnier than we've been in a long time. As far now, as just naturally you it even up. brought. The, I don't know if this is something that you want to talk about either, but uh, or at all. But you'd even brought up that they wanted you to come in and stay longer yeah. during the day. Yeah, they don't get it. Radio execs don't get it. They wanted me to be there till like twelve, one o'clock in the afternoon, and and five in the morning till one of go get them. And mainly because they're like, people's schedules aren't the same. A lot of folks are just staying home and starting later. There's no commute to work. And I'm like, you guys don't get it. You just don't get it. If, if you think that this is all bit-driven, natural nonsense, the best story I ever have in radio about how radio people don't get it. I was on a show when I first started with a girl. And I was doing what I thought I could do is funny. And I don't know. Like, I didn't know what I was. 25. I was like clueless. They gave me a morning show. I didn't know what to do. The girl had been on other morning shows and we had kind of recently switched our angle to be uh, funny to women. Like, we, like that's our target now. We're going to go after women. And I'm like, all right. And their answer in a meeting was, you do a lot of funny stuff. Can you give her the funny lines <laughs> to make no. like, and I'm like, what do you mean? And they said, well, when you do the funny lines, give them to her. And I'm like, a lot of the times the funny lines, and this is when like, who wants to be a millionaire was popular. I'm like, it, are me as Regis Philbin. Like, how can I say, Stephanie, be Regis Philbin and say this on the fly? How in the world? Do you think this is all a script? Right. And they're like, no, but when you have a funny line, write it down before you say it and give it to them. Like you got, and I remember saying and thinking it's the best day ever in radio for me because I'm like, they don't get it. You're fine. Keep doing what you're doing. These people don't understand what's happening. And they really think that it's like, I think about this. And I store it instead of reacting and moving. It's like hockey. It's like trying to tell a hockey player when to shoot. You can't. And uh, it's, it is mentally draining. Most people don't understand it. It seems really simple. And I don't want to make it sound like I'm 
you know, I'm digging ditches, but it's right now it's, it's tough. You have to still keep, uh, you have to be happy without being fake. You have to be authentic and you have to be interesting without being, Hey everybody, it's blah, 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 and trying to sound energetic and have nothing to say. It's, it's well, the it's way to crazy. do that, John, is to have a press conference every single day with a tiny <laughs> Italian well, man. Yeah. Dr. Fauci even said, these are draining. I'm dying over here. He's done. He even said it yesterday. These are draining. I don't want to do them anymore. The information bothers me. The questions are tedious. And he's done. Like, I get that. The draining part. And he's helped. Trump and his press conferences have been fantastic. But again, I mean, how many times can you go to that well? You have to find... Something I'm going to be amazed. Stuff. I've got incredible stuff. I've got a lot. I've got a bearded lady over here. That's going to be wonderful. <laughs> All right. Before I take any more questions, it's time for me to guess your weights. You for Fox. What do you think? Are we going to 225, 230? Come over here, Chunky. Two, 245. Hold on one second. I, I guess we do not have everybody in on the Zoom. So I'm going to make sure that they can all hear us. So Salehi may not even have heard our... Um, Sammy Davis. Yeah, so we need... Who can take a cookie? There, Sean, write it down. Who can... <laughs> uh, the grammar man can. <laughs> all right, so uh, I need to put these guys out here for a second. Um. So but it's weird, I, like, like in the world of comedy, Frank and, and Scott, have, has anyone ever said something as asinine or stupid as, I'm sure they have, like as, as let her take the funny lines or something as dumb to use, like, oh, at Mad TV, that had to be a thing. Well, here, I'm going to relate it to a corporate event <laughs> in terms of, um, uh, what's happening here? Hold on one second. Now people are. Megan, I'm thirsty. <laughs> Hold on, I, I, I'm getting. I don't know what's happening. All right, so in terms of stand-up comedy, I'm going to relate that to a corporate event. And Scott, you can pop in here with uh, your thoughts as well. Sometimes in a corporate event, what they will do is um, they we'll say we want an hour and a half from you and we want a whole bunch of stuff about our company that you know nothing about. And that's when I go, I, I, I can't do that. I, I'm just not going to be able to, you want 45 minutes because it's a corporate event. They don't laugh at the same levels. I'll go longer if they're good, but that's probably not going to be the case. Why don't I give you the best? People think time is money, right? right. They think uh, the longer, it's the same with you, you were talking about in the radio, the longer you go, the better it is. Well, it diminishes what you do in your normal allotted time because you're trained for that. You're trained. Yeah. You train your body. It's just like sleep. It's like being awake. You train everything to work in that amount of time. Now to spread it out over. And think about it in any job. Somebody gives you, okay, we're giving you a promotion. No more pay, but it's just going to be more hours and more responsibilities. Well, that sounds okay when you're 20. But when you have a family, you're like, I, I don't need the, the, the promotion. I'll just stay with what I've been doing and watch Holmberg uh, seductively drink his beverage. Oh, yeah, that's hot. You know, I like it's for YouTube. Sex sells. And that's, that's, that's a giveaway is what that is. Sex sells. So, Scott, well, you, you have something similar? Well, John had mentioned 
as a comparison, it would be like going to a church and working with a blue act and trying to dance around things. Last week, uh, kind of a pretty, I don't know what you would say, rock and roll church asked me to do a Zoom call comedy performance for like a couple hundred people. And I'm like, I don't know if that's going to work. And they're like, we know. Well, listen, I, I didn't think it would. And they were like, we'll pay you this amount of money. And I'm like, I am making no money. Sure, I'll give it a try. So what happened was I led with pretty much just discussing, like it was my own radio show, talking about what's going on in the world and taking it there. I muted everybody because I was on a Zoom call where uh, I was with some other comedians and a couple comedy bookers, and we were trying to figure out what are we going to do. And all of a sudden, there's this huge loud noise, and some dude was on, he was mowing his lawn while he was on the Zoom call. <laughs> Which, <laughs> I thought it was in the background. He's actually... No, no, no. Yeah, he's, wait, he's wait a second. Before you go on, Scott, call. before you go on, did he also have a drink that he was licking no. seductively? There were some birds in the back. No, there was not birds, but so it's it was so obnoxious that I if like if I was a booking agent, I would kind of almost be like, "This is some Andy Kaufman like stuff here." Yeah. <laughs> I kind of think that this guy's so. I, but I said we got to mute everybody because I can't hear somebody, and it dawned to me the big deal with the Zoom call. For, and I told him, "I'm like, look, this is harder." I'm sitting down. You're in your home. You are one room away from some Moose Tracks ice cream that you would want to get up and get. If you're at a corporate event or at a comedy club, there's a social pact that you're not going to stand up and just walk out. And then you have to also think, okay, this has been pretty entertaining for 30 minutes, but wow, I've only seen half of Ozark. And think of all the money and talent that's on Ozark. And then there's just this guy sitting and ranting and raving. So there was that. I, my, my friend Pete, the planner who does my other podcast, it, it, this might work. He does a lot of zoom calls cause he's a financial uh, national financial expert. And he said, here's the thing you don't want to do. Don't look at how many people are in the zoom call at the start and then look at the end because you're going to see how many people have left and you're going to feel terrible. And I'm like, wow. And of course I had to look and I, I kept all but like five people. So at a awful. comedy club, that's not good, but for an hour. So okay, what I so did was I did stand up. I talked about, but, but I didn't stand up. Like I've seen idiots online yeah. comedians holding microphones, standing up in front of a wall like they think it's a freaking comedy club. You can't, you got to treat it more like a podcast. Okay, so and here's, here's Scott, this questions. is what you do. You have somebody, because I've had some people, a Major League Baseball team and a couple other people yeah. brought this up, mostly charity type of stuff to say, can sure. you do stand-up? We want to do stand-up. I said, absolutely not, but have somebody interview me. Have right. interaction, have me go back and forth with somebody. And for me, yeah. somebody like John, uh, and you can work bits in, it's basically like doing panel on a late night show. Work exactly. your bits into that. Don't try and do stand-up because stand-up, you ever watch stand-up 
um, if it, a lot of times they uh, uh, put it into the rooms, they 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 they'll put it in a closed cap, not closed caption, but closed circuit television. They'll uh, run it into the into the green room where everybody's uh, sitting, waiting to go on and stuff. Oh. Like that. And they don't mic the audience, and you will think somebody is just dying without the laughter. Stand up timing makes zero sense. Radio timing. <laughs> Television sketch timing, everything is very different than live performance timing. That was one of my biggest pet peeves at Mad TV. They would time the, the laughs for 14-year-old boys and gang members in the audience at, in, at, you know, for Mad TV. And then you would be – my friends who are adults watching the show would be like, why, uh, why do you just keep doing SpongeBob references? Because that's all that works for that audience. And that's the timing. And that's the way it has to be. It's got to be big and over the top. And it doesn't work. Mo that doesn't happen in a movie. <laughs> it's stuff that makes me laugh is usually very serious, awkward stuff. Yeah. that's not trying to be funny. And that's the kind of stuff I like to do. But stand-up timing is totally different when you don't hear the laughter. And it's... It can't be fake. You could probably do something funny with bad fake laughter so it's tongue-in-cheek and you know that's happening, but that's, right. that's almost like an old-school Bob Odenkirk or uh, Andy Kaufman, um, and I said Kaufman instead of Kaufman, uh, type of um, uh, routine or, or bit. But it's trying to do regular stand-up is it just – I think it's It's hard. It's sad. I like I like, like, in radio – versus stand-up like in radio i i've gotten this weird thing where i'm like oh that was funny like i i i'll laugh at something that i know is radio timing funny and then so it's weird if i like because when i've been on stage and done live stuff the laugh throws me off mm -hmm. like yeah. the audience but like jesus you know you're I, i've done it several times where i'm like wow that was more than i expected and the laugh in a stand-up thing you're right the timing gets ruined when you're like when I said something similar on the radio, I knew it was funny, but people in their cars will go, oh, and they're not going to laugh like an audience will laugh. Right. Which is just this four seconds of boom, boom, boom. And you. John, did, did you have to like host comedy night or like uh -uh. when you were doing? No. See, no. almost every city, it seemed like, especially like alternative rock stations would have Wednesday night would be you know, X105 or whatever. And the filthiest <laughs> person ever on stage was the DJ. Yeah. They got to the comedy club because they never had to ever, you know, this is the first time they could actually feel freedom. There was no yeah. FCC there. So you could guarantee there would be 10 F-bombs in a minute with yeah. the whoever, you know, uh, muskrat and cooter or whatever <laughs> muskrat you know, in the trash can i always <laughs> thought though i always thought I, I i kind of pride myself on knowing the difference between comedy and uh and and radio funny the i read an article a long time ago i think it was in i don't remember it was gq or whatever chris rock said if howard stern ever wanted to turn his sights on stand-up look out because the dude does hours of stand-up every day throwing stuff against the wall and I worked at a place called comedyworld.com in 1999, 2000. And it was comedians doing radio shows, essentially. And, uh, and none of them knew how to do it. And I hadn't been in it long, but I'm like, these guys all think their act transfers onto the air, and it doesn't. 
your act does not like Frank's does to a certain extent because it's voices. And so there's a little novelty to that, but you still have to have something in between that rather than just here's my standup because people, I get emails where people say, Oh, he's just doing his act, which would kill you on stage. But it, on the radio, it just doesn't fly. And I never, I got asked to host those things. And I always knew I didn't want to be the radio guy that looked like he was trying to be a comedian because those are the ones that aren't funny. Those are the ones that aren't getting it. So I'll host the night that I'm hosting or I'll host the thing that I'm part of and, I, and I'll be prepared and whatever for that. But well, for the most part- Part of it, ahead. people can feel, because your show is like this where it's not, um, it's not pre-planned. So there are ideas happening. You go off on tangents. You might feel one going. You'll go for a little while. You'll try it six different ways. You'll go back and forth. Somebody who comes in with a polished bit stands out because you just feel like they're going, like, again, paint by numbers, and it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It's, you can feel – I remember early on when I was going and doing some radio, like in San Francisco and stuff, there was a big radio station that wouldn't have me on because I did do mostly my bits on the radio and they didn't think I could go away from that. And I was kind of 50, 50 on it, but you could, they knew or thought they knew all about me. And I I think they had some of it targeted pretty correctly, but you don't want to be that. You can't go into, I remember when I did Stern, they said, you know, Baba Bowie's like, you do, you've listened to the show, you know how this is. And, I said, yeah, I'll just come in and talk. And thank God I had uh, Artie Lang, you know, sitting yeah. over there laughing and, and talking about Norm MacDonald just doing this the whole time. You know? So <laughs> that was just the fun of it. And you can't do, you can't go in and just do bits on Stern. It's going to yeah. feel, it's same with you. You can't go in there because you're coming from an authentic place. And, uh, you know, that's what I loved about the Elon Gold episode. He was, yeah, was and he awesome. might've talked about some bits that he'd done, but that in the, in the guys, under the guys that, this is a bit I used to do. And right. then you talk around it and it's almost like you're telling a story about that moment as opposed right. to just trying to push the bit. Well, radio and talk shows and things like that, uh, like talk shows are different because you are supposed to go on and do some material, but radio is different because I kind of always looked at it like uh, if you and I were in a car together and you started doing your routine, I'd be like, oh, Frank's nauseating. Right. And what are you doing? Talk to me. We're people. And so that's where radio is different. Is a good radio to me is the authentic interaction of people having a moment who like truly funny, someone truly funny like you or Scott or whatever, who are sitting in the room and saying, I'm, it's funny, it's going to be fun to be here and I'm willing to talk about anything rather than be quiet, let me do my act. Because if you look at it from the standpoint of if you were at a, at a, a, a table at a restaurant and someone just started to do a routine, it would be awful. It's like when somebody tells a stand-up comedian a joke joke, and it takes forever for them to – they probably do that to you too. They come up and, first of all, it's nine times out of ten, it's some guy with a racist joke, and you're like, just stop. Just please stop. I just Uh, say, bring it. I want that. I I was going to say, it's different for you. Those are so funny. (laughs) (laughs) But people don't understand that structure of setup and punchline very rarely – Am I entertained by the three examples that come beforehand and then the one that I know is going to be the twist? And yeah. it's, they, they don't get that because that's what people believe a joke is, is set up punchline with right. a, a long drawn out story that could probably be done in like 15 seconds. Right. So. And on the, on the other side too, is like uh, 
people don't understand sometimes when I'm joking, sometimes there's too much authenticity. I had a thumb twitch that I couldn't get rid of uh, over the weekend. And so I went on WebMD and diagnosed myself with Parkinson's and I've got it. I've got Parkinson's. I, I can't not have it now. So I'm committing myself to that. Um, as, as a funny person, you guys laugh because you get it. At funny people laugh. So many people see it as John's authentic on the radio. I got emails from people saying, I'm so sorry, my grandfather had Parkinson's and it's a long battle, but you'll be fine. And then people that I know were sending me like messages. And one of my friends is blind and I get a voice text and he said, hey, I heard, I, I think it's awful. Let me know when it's okay to make jokes. And then with, I'm like, it's fine to make jokes just to see what he would do. And he went right back to what you were saying. I get a, I get a, a voice text from him and he goes, hey man, sorry about your Parkinson's. And it's this terrible Gruden impression of him apologizing. And I'm like, oh my God. And I had to let him off the hook. I'm like, I don't have Parkinson's. I'm fine. What, what, what if he had, what if his joke was been faking the blindness for the last 20 years? <laughs> well, I thought he was. That was how we met. I threw something at him and he ducked it. And I'm like, <laughs> he felt he, it like he, daredevil. <laughs> I had said something to him that I said, I don't think you're really blind. And I, and I threw a, a foam mic cover at his face and he moved and I'm like, I just proved it. And he goes, no, I have peripheral vision. I don't have straight ahead at all. And I'm like, that's, that's miserable. I can't even imagine that you can see things until they're at it right in front of you. So we started laughing about that, but yeah. So uh, he, he's, he's normally very funny, but he, he sends me impressions. And when you do impressions, like you probably get it too. You just, the last thing you want is somebody doing them for you, even though sometimes they're good or sometimes yeah. they're actually funny. You're just like, oh, don't, that's my job. It's like going up to an accountant going, hey, here's my bank statements. It's just the worst. You, can, you can't possibly bring that work to another person. It's flattering, but it's awful. Yeah. It, the, John, people don't, go ahead, Scott. John, well, I, I noticed that John's got uh, facial hair, which I've never seen oh. you with facial hair. Oh. And- uh, I don't know, it was maybe last year you took a photo, Frank, where, I don't know, it was a headshot a couple years ago, and you looked really good, but you kind of had like a George Michael thing working, uh, and the point is, if you do impressions, do you feel like, you know, like you're on the radio, so it's not as big of a deal, but Frank, do you feel like you could grow a beard and play people? I think yep. people do. I think it used to be where people would uh, be totally averse to that, or that it wouldn't work. It's. I, I remember uh, the the love master baby. He told me years <laughs> yeah. ago, "Don't have a mustache, baby. You can't have a mustache. It'll ruin the impressions." Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but shoemaker. Now, wait, shoemaker yeah, told Craig, you. Craig Shoemaker. Was he was right. He was right at the time. He's like, yeah, baby. He he always talks. Whenever he talks to me, he talks as the love master. Yeah, baby. Um, What's he doing? Say that what again. Craig Shoemaker. I haven't What's seen Craig Shoemaker now? in a while. What's he? What's he doing? I think he produces some stuff. He, he still does. He still comes in every Valentine's Day and yeah. does stand up in town. So, yeah. He's had he's had lots of ventures, but he's. Um, yeah. Business yep. ventures, but he uh, he was he was right. He's like you can't have facial hair at the time. It was uh, odd, right? But now all the tons of people do impressions on the internet with glasses on when you don't when the person doesn't have glasses. They do it when uh, they Joey Molinero does. Yeah, there there's um, uh, beards, there's mustaches. People don't it, people just look past it now. It used to be if I did an impression 
no matter who it was, uh, for a TV station, like a, 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 a rejoin or something like that. They're like, dude, Gruden, I'll tell you what, man, it's the best action news I've yeah. ever seen, man. Like, <laughs> they know I'm not John Gruden because they're looking at me. But now people have gone past that. It doesn't matter. They, they miss the visual. They don't care about the visual. And they just listen to the voice like you are actually the per- like They know you're not the person, but they're willing to suspend belief or disbelief. I can never remember which it is on the wagon, off the wagon. I can't remember. <laughs> um, but they, for some reason, they will suspend that and now do it. But t- 15 years ago, it, it wasn't like that. The internet's just completely changed it. See, my, my impressions are all if Walter White did impressions. That's my whole, that's meta. I'm going down the road of if Walter White wasn't a meth addict or a manufacturer, he just did impressions of other people because I've got no other look. <laughs> well, Frank used to, Frank used to always get, well, he's chunky, this guy, and he's chunky, that he's guy. fat Jay Leno, yep. Yeah, and, and, and now you're, you're you, they don't, they, people don't even say that. When they meet you now, are they saying, wow, you're thinner than I thought? I, I would guess they don't. Oh, yeah. They, no, they do. They go, you're, <laughs> they I, still I thought do. You'd be, no, they basically say, I, I thought you'd be fatter. I'm medium fatness, Frank, right now. I'm trying to get yeah. back down, so I've been exercising a little bit more. I'm not at my thinnest. But when I was at my thinnest, they go, I thought you'd be – like, they just say straight up, oh, man, I thought you'd be fatter. Yeah. Dude. You know what I love about that whole thing is that Scott still kind of dances around that like he's your grandma. He called you chunky. It was like – I remember Scott hadn't seen me for a couple years probably yeah. and then he uh, we we met up in Indy and he he started taking pictures of me to send to his wife he's like I gotta take a picture but she's yeah nobody's gonna believe this you're it you're so crazy. much thinner. yeah he was so yeah, weirded I, out I, by it they tried to kiss me it was well it's Ugh. weird it was kind of like one of those uh Seth Rogen deals where it's like I don't know if I like Fit yeah. Frank as well. I, I like I liked medium. Better. I think you're, well, you probably personally. Okay, here's something. You brought up the machine. I've been thinking about this, and I wanted to throw this out to you. Do you how much would it, like, every time he goes on stage, he's got to take off his shirt. That's part of the thing now. Have you ever stood in front of people when you're heavy, like even at a beach and you feel uncomfortable, I can't understand what that must be like for an hour to stand in front of people with your belly just extended. It's funny and it's all part of the thing, but I don't know if it'd be worth it to me. It would make me it's crazy. It's a defense mechanism though. It takes away anybody saying he's fat. He knows. Like right away he's taken his biggest physical weakness and made it completely. He's just Oh, weird. I love it. Yeah, I'm I, mean, I don't. I don't personally. like. I don't like the shirt takeoff thing. I don't like it. Anybody like Will Ferrell would t- t- take his shirt off um, and expose belly on Saturday Night Live, and I thought yeah. that was the it's least deep. funny thing because it's anybody yeah. can do it. It's yeah. it doesn't like any person. We all have these flaws. Some of us more than others, but when you take that, you just do that. I, until it becomes just your full-on personality of Bobby Lee, and it's just awkward making it, it right. makes it bad because it's intentionally awkward closeness involving that. Um, even, and then it still creeps me out more than makes me laugh. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I never, I ne- I don't get that. But most people, I mean, I think that's kind of a caveman reaction, right? Hey, yeah, there's yeah. guy with his belly out. That's funny. It's the simplest form of of comedy. In yeah, many to ways. me, it's it's body mugging. It's like when people go over the top with a facial response. 
It's like, look at how fat I am. Jack Black's TikTok disappointed me. And no. people loved it. But he took his shirt off and showed I'm fat guy dancing. And I'm like, this is 1925 funny. Because I think of him as so talented. He's funny. He's so much better than I'm fat, so here. Or when, when Will Ferrell used to bother me on Saturday Night Live because I thought his sketches were brilliant, but they would always devolve into fights. And at the end, it's just him yelling, I've got a Dodge Stratus. And I'm like, they, they didn't have anywhere to go. They don't know what to do with the endings. And they turned into these giant vaudevillian kind of noise-making physical comedy things. And, I, and you're right. I think it's disappointing when somebody really funny leans on it. I don't think Chrysler leans on it. I think it's just he takes, he takes his biggest flaw like, and says, that's it. I'm this. And, I'm not, and we're not even going to bring it up. I'm fat. See, I, 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 would, I find Bert so funny that I ignore the fact that he has a shirt. Yeah. It doesn't. That's that almost. Oh, he's so funny. funny Yeah, that's the funny part. Is like this dude just. I remember. I remember that it was the Super Bowl in Houston. Uh, I don't remember which one, and I had gone there because some team had hired me to perform, and Jay Moore was at the Improv, and at and Frank was being managed by you know, the same guy, you know, that Jay was being managed by. And I told Frank, I'm like, I really want to go see Jay Moore because Jay Moore always makes me laugh. So I went there and Bert was his feature at the time. And I'm like, holy crap. (laughs) Who would ever want to follow this guy? This guy is brilliant. And he's so naturally funny in his energy. And I mean, this was probably 11 years ago or something like that. Lovable. And I was at, yeah. And, and yeah, oh my God, everything, everything. And Jay was, man, he managed to follow as Frank, someone like that. There are very few people that can follow pretty much anybody Not as me. long I as they do I their can. time. <laughs> I hate it. Patrice. <laughs> no, but but it, to, for as one second there, uh, slight tangent, I guess, but fitting with that story. Uh, the other opener for Jay, Ralphie May. Yeah, yeah I know. I mean, Jay took the worst in terms of tr- people trying to – I try to bring funny people. Yeah. Um, but those guys, those are superstar mega comedy yeah. acts. That's, Tom Segura. Oh, did he take yeah, Segura too? Segura, oh, yeah. yeah. He's, he's, open, he's gotten the door open for about 10 guys who are as big as they can get. And none I mean, of them talk to him now. Nope. That, that's the crazy <laughs> part. Jay did our comedy show in uh, Christmas a couple of years ago. And oddly enough, Jay was the one who, as I'm closing the show, came out in his underwear, took all his clothes off. And I looked at him and I'm like, all right. And I'm thinking to myself, what are you doing? This is not like, it was weird. And, uh, and you're right. When it's leaned on, it's, it's awkward and it's not funny. But I, I think that, yeah, there's that weird fine line with the whole take your shirt off thing. And it's, and it's, you're right. The internet's done it. You don't have to look like anybody anymore to do an impression. You just end up being uh, goofy and, and, uh, and physical. And I think it well, works. Well, we talk about extremes and how there are massive shifts. And a decade ago, everybody was trying to be like Dane Cook. That was a comedian. They were super fit. Everybody was wearing tight T-shirts. And then like seven years later, every guy just went the opposite direction like they were part of Mumford and & Sons. And they got these huge beards 
and big bellies and it just this massive shift. And it, it, I think we're still in that shift. It's authenticity, but, though. That's who yeah. people really yeah. are and playing to the audience. Most people listening to podcasts aren't the most fit people in the world. <laughs> They're American. Yeah. And that's true. Like, they don't want to be – a crowd of uh, people listening to comedy don't want to look at somebody that's also incredibly chiseled and handsome. That's hard. Because now you're trying to relate to someone who looks better than you is funnier than you. They're handsome. They're clearly going to make more money than you. And it's like, uh, this, the guy on stage reminds you of everything you aren't instead of everything you relate to. Now, I want to clarify this too. And it's not that everybody is in that category of uh, Burt Kreischer wannabe uh, audience member, but the people who are listening to that are super fit are probably listening to the fitness podcasts and looking at the fit. They're the ones that are doing fitness. Right stuff constantly and they might dabble in the other podcasts as well because it's it's all entertainment but most of us out there have tremendous flaws and some <laughs> people have bigger flaws and they're running against me um <laughs> but I, I i just think there is that element of hey i'm a regular guy i'm a regular yeah. person and yeah. people like the regular you know the neighbor on the sitcom is what a lot of podcasts are now. Joe Rogan, completely, uh, you know, super fitness guy and all kinds of, but he's a different echel- in a different echelon than everybody. He's kind of like the creator. He and he is. also he also totally appeals to the guy that thinks he's Joe Rogan, big right. or otherwise. Like the mentality of Joe Rogan is his physicalness. You know, like those guys are like, yeah, me too. I'm UFC. I do this. I fight. I they get into that thing like they can relate to Joe Rogan because he's just such a alpha male. And so there I think are, well, men, men, men have been, men have been emasculated. Younger men yep. have been emasculated in society and some are naturally emasculated guys to begin with. They like it. It feels good to them, but yep. there's plenty of guys out there that are still like, you know what? I still am a physical being and I'm afraid yep. to be physical. And every yep. time I listen to Joe Rogan, he makes me feel okay about who I am. Well, on top of it all, also, Rogan makes a lot of sense a lot of times. Agree with, he him does. with him. Joe is really good at what he does. Who knew that was coming? But Joe is a, is a great voice for what he's trying to say. He's a yeah. really he's a good communicator. So it works really well with Rogan because uh, although he represents a group of people that you kind of are like, wait a minute, can I even be involved in that? He speaks for a lot of people. And he's, he does he's, really common, well. he's common sense on acid. It's odd yeah. to put yep. those two together. But uh, he's, I mean, the drugs he talks about and all that type of stuff, but he really does come from common sense most of the time. And yes. I think that's what people really like about him because most of us are in that middle of the, you know, the political spectrum. We're not far left. We're not far right. We have things that cross over on both sides. Right. And he has a lot of that. And people call him far right wing on things. We're going, you, you obviously don't listen to him right. to know what he's actually talking about. You're taking little pieces that, right. of things that, like when he said uh, he'd vote for Trump over Biden, I mean, why can't somebody say that and that not yeah. be considered? It's, look, at, look at our choices. Our choices are insane. Like yeah, it's, it is, it's a, if you wrote the movie, they would have turned it away in Hollywood. The execs would be like, too, too fake. Not, Nobody not buys this. Yeah. Nothing. And here's, here's the, the funny thing. Like, you're, you're dead on the money with that because 
it's the it's the weirdos that make everything tick because when when he made a very rationable rational rational a rationable very rationable statement Joe's <laughs> a rational fella no when he made a very rational statement about like look I'm not sure I'm I'm happy with the choices but at least I'll take the guy who seems like he's swinging a big bat and knows what he's doing than the guy who pretends to everybody lost their mind because it, it went against the fray and Frank you and I talked about it on text I find it really weird that this week I've seen several stories again in radio, you're trying to keep up with what's going on outside, but coronavirus is always the theme of celebrities doing what we're doing. They're doing a podcast, they're doing a Facebook live and Bieber, Justin Bieber, keep in mind who I'm talking about. Justin Bieber, Haley Bieber, his beautiful wife, very wealthy. And uh, uh, Kendall Jenner, were having a Facebook live. I didn't see it. Mm. I don't particularly care for any of what they do. I know of them. I know what they do. I think Justin Bieber has a talent for what he aims at, and that's certainly not a 47-year-old man. But I give him credit. He said something. But by I the way, the 47-year-old man might be going after Justin Bieber. Well, that's very true. If he was here, I, look, every man has his price. And if Bieber <laughs> says go, if Bieber says do it, I'm doing it, babe. Chachi. Chachi, I'm going for it, Billy. I'm going to make it happen. So, uh, um, so Bieber said something to two people to an audience of people who follow them. And he said, do you guys ever take for granted the huge house you're isolated in? Isn't it amazing that we have these houses to be trapped in? Because some people yeah. don't. And he said, it's gotta be tough. I think about people in terrible situations in small houses and I'm lucky enough to have this. They crashed down on him. Like Bieber makes fun of uh, poor people during isolation. I'm like, no, he didn't. And, and, and the people who were mad were the ones who were listening. And I'm like, you follow Justin Bieber. To see if the extravagance. Yes. The whole point is he's got a life you don't. And you're mad at him for it. And you're just waiting for him to slip up. And that's what, to me, that's what social media is. It's this, I'm going to watch you till you screw up thing. And I can't, you know, again, I'm not a Bieber fan. I'm not going to sit back and say, oh, I love Justin Bieber. He does everything great. But that's asinine to me that that gets traction in news outlets and no one and and it's hard to defend. So when when Joe Rogan says something, the fact of I'm going to vote for Trump over Biden, the traction of a retort is gone and it just gets it spirals. But out. That of should tell you that should tell you if you're on the other side of Trump, uh, which is about 50 percent. They need somebody better. They should. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, look, I've said it for a long time. If you can't beat Donald Trump with ideas and poise, you're not very good. It's That's all there is to it. You know, if you, can't, if you can't go up against that guy, in debate class in high school, if there was somebody as boisterous and crazy as that, all you had to do was go in with uh, an ability. That's it. You needed an ability to counter the insanity. And sometimes the, the louder wins, but there's no... Like there's no common sense to the idea that if somebody rich says something like, man, this is a, I'm in a fortunate situation that somehow is insulting to someone who isn't. But isn't and that, that the most adult. authentic thing in the world to say that's real? Yes. That's honest. And like that's you and honest. I, Frank, you and I joked earlier today that we don't have to hoard toilet paper. We hoard bidets. <laughs> We're wealthy people. <laughs> it's horrible. But if, if, if he said that, he's like, oh, my God, I don't need toilet paper because, yuck, that's for poor people. That's one thing. But he was actually making a very decent, heartfelt, authentic point of, man, I am fortunate. It, and he even said, it's hard work. I worked hard to get this. I'm young. I have a lot. 
But I think about that. And then Kendall Jenner said, I think about them all the time. And people are like, well, they're just making fun of us. I'm like, what are you following them for? What are you interested in that lifestyle other than to look at it? The Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous show would be considered the worst thing in the world if it was on TV today. I used to do that joke. Uh, hello, I'm Robin Leach. Welcome to Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, it's where we show you everything you'll never be good enough to have. <laughs> right. And that's all and that used show was. And it killed. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah, it used to kill. There's a, there's a weird thing that um, people get in these moments. For a while, I, in uh, early 2000s, I saw you getting ready, Scott. Just let me get this in and then you go. Um, in the early 2000s, there were car companies changing their names in LA because they didn't want to seem too, probably about 2005, 2006, because they didn't want to seem too um, self-important. They went from being called like Diva to Your, your Vehicle or something like that. They would have all these um, grand names and everybody was downsizing. And then Instagram came along and everybody went the exact opposite way. And it was a, let me show you everything I have and things I don't that I'm pretending to have. And right. now it's that reverse thing when there's a, a tragedy or something odd like this that changes the world a little bit. People go back to that. Oh, we don't, uh, we don't want you to see what we have. I've always been a person who's like, I don't want you to see what I have. I, it's, it's more for me, it's more private. And people are like, you should show people your pool. I'm like, well, then I'm going to get a lot of the blowback. Right. Going, you think you're better. No, I was just trying to do a, a you know, a bit and I needed a pool and I have a pool. It's just, right. that's a weird. And you, and you shouldn't apologize for it. It's funny because Facebook, Instagram is every normal Joe's opportunity to show off what they've got. But when somebody who actually has it does it, it's disgusting. Yeah, it's a weird thing. It, we're Scott, in an incredibly strange spot. Scott, did you? Um, well, it, um, the thing that's going on right now that it's, the, it's perfect for, it's, it's a little bit like 9-11 in regards to the coronavirus is so New York City centric because that's, you know, where it's happening. So that's where all the news programs are based. And I, you know, I'm watching CNN one night a couple of weeks ago, and I don't know which of the anchors was just losing their mind that the state of Nebraska wasn't on the same re restrictions <laughs> as the people in New York. And it's like, but here's the story. If it was all happening in Nebraska, do you think they would shut down New York City? for right. Nebraska. And that's the problem with the news networks. I've had this dream fantasy because there's all the news is basically focused New York City, a little bit in DC, and a tiny bit in Los Angeles. And that's it. And there's no, you'll watch one of the, the network news and they'll do a story that happens in Louisiana, but they'll show the reporter talking about it, walking down the street of Manhattan. They won't right. even send them out there. And it just, it makes people in flyover country insane. My fantasy has always been um, you take Warren Buffett, who's to the left, and you take the Koch brothers that are to the right. And one of them lives in Omaha, Nebraska, and one of them lives in Wichita, Kansas. And you put a network in Kansas City and you, you try to make it, you know, not to the right or to the left. And there'll be times where it's to the right and to the left because you can't just keep everything 
down the middle, but the news would be done in the middle of the country. So there would be an escape because people would be like, well, Fox News is the middle of the country. No, it's not. Hannity <laughs> grew up in New York City. O'Reilly grew up in New Jersey. Um, Laura Ingram is from the East Coast. Uh, every person on Fox News is from the East Coast, too. You look at it. it Megan Kelly was from New York. It, I went and did all the math. Every person who has oh. got their own show on CNN, Fox News, or MSNBC, you know, the four-hour main hits, every person except for um, uh, what's, what's the woman from uh, MSNBC? Mary Rachel, Rachel Maddow. Rachel Maddow. Every one of them is from the Northeast Corridor, except for Rachel Maddow, who's from San Francisco. Right. That's who is producing and putting out the news. I don't blame them, but if that's all anyone has as their experience levels, how are yeah. they going to be able to connect? Why do you think Trump won? Because none of them had an idea. They never ran into anybody that had a differing point of view. There's not even somebody from Phoenix on any of these shows. Right. There's not even anybody from Seattle. It's okay. all the Northeastern Corridor. The only person that wasn't initially from the Northeastern Corridor is Don Lemon, who grew up in New Orleans, but he went to like – George Washington University, right. and he from college on, he's always been in D.C. or New York. So well, it's what it's what Stephen A. Smith always complained about with, uh, or not complained about, what got ripped for, which was always he only pays attention to the East Coast sports because that's his time zone. So people only know what they know. The bubble you're in is the bubble you're in. Phoenix is weird because we're in kind of a we're between the mountain and Pacific time zones. We're in a really strange spot where it doesn't get paid attention to at all. The Southwest doesn't unless. It's bad, and it's and it kind of keeps you grounded to the idea of like, well, the coastal elite world doesn't know the rest of the country, and you kind of giggle at it. I always tell people that the news is entertainment first. It's an advertising-based entity that needs uh, money from advertisers, so they need ratings, and that's all it comes down to. So again, going back to that Bieber story, they had a name. They had something they could flash underneath that says uh, Bieber missteps, and that's interesting to people who know who he is. So that's our commonalities. And it's weird that, you know, we can't get around the idea that it's like we're all kind of just watching an entertainment show. ESPN's doing it perfectly right now because they're entertainment sports programming. And uh, they're, they're now having to lean on the entertainment part. They're not very entertaining. They don't know what they're doing with the E part of ESPN. They know the SPN part. They don't know the E part. And they're really struggling right now to make 24 hours worth of E. Well, ESPN became very politically correct when Disney yeah. started pu pushing their imprint on it to the point where in the uh, 90s, definitely, there was kind of a, a reverent tone to most of, there was Rich Eisen there, there was Kilbourne there, obviously Patrick and Olbermann, everybody kind of had a funny thing or a reverent tone, and they all kind of... I think there's some really talented people at ESPN, but they've been told do not step off on anything. Yeah. That's why anybody that was told that, that made any kind of political comment, um, they were going to get, you know, fired or at right. least suspended. And so it took away that honesty that, you know, that authenticity that, that used to exist. Now these people are scared to say anything. They don't have any sports to talk about. 
So what are they going to talk about? I mean, I don't well, know. I, I sent a thing to, to uh, John this week, and we got to wrap up pretty soon here. I sent a thing to John going through ESPN.com. I said, look <laughs> at all the garbage that's on yeah. ESPN.com. And it was uh, NBA players playing basketball against each other online, talking about a game of horse, a kid hitting a, a golf ball into a cup on his head, uh, <laughs> uh, me doing Jerry Jones. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which was great. Uh, and, but ESPN uh, got to shift gears, literally and figuratively, when finally uh, the crappy E NASCAR thing had some horrible explosion <laughs> when Kyle Larson went nuts. And, and you know the best part about the NASCAR N-word was? Everybody was outraged, but when he said it, everybody online, there wasn't a collective, whoa, Kyle, that was wrong. Everybody kind of let go, and then somebody goes, hey, Kyle, we all heard that. Nobody, nobody yeah. reacted. Nobody no, reacted. Reset, like, reset so people who haven't heard this story know exactly uh, what's going congratulations on. Congratulations so. to the people who haven't heard it, by the way. Good for you. You've, you've isolated properly. But Kyle Larson is a, a NASCAR driver, and they're doing eSports NASCAR races with live announcers. Jeff Gordon's doing the races like they're real. And these guys are in simulators. It's actually really impressive. I'm not a NASCAR fan, but I've watched the races on, and they're neat. Chris Long is doing Howie's son. The, yeah. Those guys are doing a lot Have of you things. seen them? They're cool. Oh, yeah. yeah, It's very actually cool. really cool. So they're going and going and going. And, uh, and Kyle Larson, who's a young guy, uh, races under the number 42 because it's Jackie Robinson week, and that's important to know. And then he says, uh, is anyone listening? And, he, and everybody said something. And then he said, ah, N-words. Well, he didn't say N-words. So, uh, and, and there was no reaction immediately other than somebody going, hey, Kyle, everyone can hear you, which is, we usually say that to each other off mic, Kyle. So, I, 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 <laughs> which, ESPN, which is terrible ESPN to... <laughs> leapt on that. Because if, if somebody said it on this podcast, we'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. We'd all, right. be, there was no reaction. It was like, uh-oh. He did the thing we all know we do, but we didn't say. And then everyone was outraged afterwards. Like, oh, it's an outrage. I can't live another minute without saying how wrong. And everybody knows it's wrong, and they're going to take his money away and all that stuff. But it was weird. And then you turn to ESPN, who's always trying to be politically correct. They made 20 hours out of it. They couldn't get enough black people on ESPN to say, did you hate it? Of course. Isn't that a Fox show? Isn't that Uh, NASCAR thing on Fox? Yeah, that's true. So they they were like, yeah. Yeah. We're, uh, this is the only live sports that's basically ESPN has been without live sports. And there's a couple live sports live, you know, that simulated racing and professional wrestling. You know, those have been the two kind of things and they don't have either one. So, yeah, yeah so it doesn't hurt them. It doesn't hurt them at all to go after something that's not one sure. of their properties. Their own. That's right. a good, that's a, that's a, that's a, a good point as well. Frank hates my joke here, Scott, but I'll tell it to you because uh, on, on NASCAR.com, they're selling Kyle Larson's merchandise. And I didn't realize how much there still is. And it's 65% off instead of being decent people and just sending it to Africa for free. <laughs> hey, Frank is hoping to get that NASCAR, NASCAR truck banquet gig again i think that's probably no, I, I i had enough we, of those we need very- to we need to have some not this episode but sometime yes. you need to tell the stories of what it's like to host uh car racing banquets yeah especially craftsman truck at the time that was tough because it's yeah. not even right. the upper echelon it was third <laughs> tier oh. 
All right, we're going to bring Salehi in. And I know uh, the episode, we started out pretty goofy and then got a little more serious, but that's just how uh, we roll, as the kids say on this show. Or they don't really say that because... We're prepping uh, for Bobby Lee tomorrow, which will not be serious. I hope uh, it will. Do you, do you think? Uh, I, you never know where that's going to go. That's true. That is um, true. But I kind of like that because one of the things about these episodes, or what we do, is we go basically with how we're feeling and, and uh, if we get into something we really care about and, and want to talk about those issues, we, we bring them up. So uh, that's why we went this way today. I'm trying to bring in Salehi uh, right now. Oh, I'm bringing in uh, Rich. I want to bring in... Um, you want to start video? Yeah, I didn't know what I was doing when I put that. Did it start your video? That is awesome, Scott. You got a whole bunch of good nope. stuff. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, just – uh, It's okay. I could just be the voice. Truth be told, um, there's only one thing because you all really kept it uh, pretty, pretty simple today, I guess, for me, uh, was John at the very top of the show told me to write down something regarding to Candyman. <laughs> And I, I would so, love to hear what this is. So you don't know what the Candyman can. Hold on, you don't know either Candyman. I've heard the song, the movie, um, the movie or the song. There's, there's wait a second. Hold on, hold on. Sammy Davis Jr. comes back to life. If somebody looks in the mirror and says three times, Candyman, or or Candyman, even does the thing where you have to look in the mirror and go, Sammy. <laughs> Sammy, because it was Helen. You had to say your own name. So it's Candyman, Helen. He said it back. Yeah. So I, yeah. So you don't know who any of this is. No. Oh my goodness. Have you ever heard of the Rat Pack? I've not, heard of them, but a, I don't know what it is. Not a Disney film. Do you know um, who Frank Sinatra is? Yes. All right. Okay. Dean Martin. Yes. Uh, all right. Sammy Davis. I'm sorry. Joey Bishop. Yeah, Joey he knows Joey Bishop, and he doesn't know who Sammy. That's cultural. That's <laughs> all that is. Question. Let's just we'll make it fast. Uh, Sammy Peter Davis Locke. was their black friend. <laughs> Sammy Davis, you one of the greatest entertainers of probably the seventies. Go. You, we didn't we didn't we make you watch Cannonball Run? Didn't we make you watch one of those? Cannonball Run. Caddyshack. Caddyshack. Did you Caddyshack. watch it? Caddyshack, which I actually it? really enjoyed. I really it's great. Okay, we're not getting into it today because we, we, that's going to be next episode, <laughs> the end of the next episode, post Bobby Lee and stuff, because we, we could probably spend a whole episode Caddyshacking. Let's all right. watch Caddyshack. And I then, did last week. Did you? you got my kids. Well, that doesn't count. You have to watch it again. That's right. Uh, because it's homework for me. <laughs> Here's the fun thing. I can, Sammy Davis Jr. was a black Jewish man with one eye who could sing. Google that. All right. And dance. <laughs> and Cody. And dance. Uh, yeah. Mr. Bojangles, are you kidding me? Mr. Bojangles. <laughs> Mr. Bojangles. Dance. Dance. <laughs> dance. Please. That's an old Jim Carrey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, anything else? That was it? Just Sammy Davis? That was it. Anything? That was it. Wow. I can't wait for the Dennis Miller episode for Salehi's to get careful. Ah, He's yes. going to get carpal tunnel syndrome trying to write down all the references. Back. Oh, man, oh, man. He's writing them down too fast. His arm's going to fall off. This guy's starting to look like Agnon Khashoggi waiting in line for, uh, for uh, <laughs> punishment. Salehi's going to fall out like Stewart in Rear Window. Where's the body, Thorwald? <laughs> <laughs>
Speaking of Thorwald, wouldn't it be great if you Thorwald the theater? I mean, think about that, Chachi. I don't want to go on a rant here, but I think Salehi could do himself a favor with a history lesson going back as far as 2007, Ben. <laughs> hey, why don't you take your time machine, flux capacitor, because flux capacitor, flux capacitor. Yeah, Dennis Miller is going to be. Do you know who Dennis Miller is, Salehi? No. Oh, for fuck. Oh, my God. I will do my homework. I swear to God, I will do my homework. Did you know who John Lovitz was? Yes. I did know who John Lovitz was. You're going to know who Dennis I, I Let's not talk too much about it because I'm always worried that it's not going to happen. Um, that okay. there's going to be something homework. that's going to, uh, part of it's going to be the, um, <laughs> John just left the Zoom. There's I had to take a lap. I took a lap. <laughs> All right, we'll be back. Uh, I don't know who's going to be next. Uh, Dennis Miller, Bobby Lee. Not sure who it's going to be, but it'll be somebody. Or it'll be us. Um, anybody want to plug anything, Scott? You got a podcast that you like more than this? No. Be, uh, <laughs> follow me at Twitter, uh, Scott Comedy. All right. Please. Sounds good. Uh, I, have something to, I, would, I, I have something to plug. Yeah. If you All don't right. mind. I don't know if you know or – care or whatever uh you can follow me at tiktok on hildy osland oh no what? What? I don't know just that follow me at i'm hildy <laughs> osland on tiktok i'm already following you no thanks jose all right now, jose <laughs> did the uh the uh the, Soleil, uh, he didn't ask who that was Soleil, he knew that one up and down billy uh had the uh cartoon uh john lovitz that uh people really liked this week as it well. was it looked so great that Can was I like my favorite. question, though. This is and Menti, Menti, uh, John Menti did a lot of the artwork for that. Yeah. So. Hey, uh, how come your face is so perfect on there? And I've got, I look like an atlas. Who's, who's is perfect? Like my, my face on the drawings of the cartoon. Fantastic. I think it's very authentic. I look at you, you're 12. Hold on, I think, a, I actually think I'm, I think, I actually think I'm fatter in that than you I am. Maybe a little chubbier, but it's the face is stretched back like a snare drum. I mean, uh, what's I mean the face is stretched like a snare drum. I mean, that might be stretched so far. You might be a xylophone. Can I get a line on your face? A little aging. You know, you're not 25. I don't, and I don't have them. I'm medium fatness, and they're, they're, <laughs> they're puffing out right now. I look at mine, and I'm actually like, I got to work. I looked at that cartoon of me, and I'm like, I got to do some. I got to get some. Food. You just have issues with that because it. I don't think it looks terrible. I think you Oh, it's perfect, but it's too That's close. the problem. Is it's right. It, but who wants to draw the perfect, flawed you? If you're a cartoon, don't you want to be the better version? Look at like, Lovitz. Oh, add these lines. Look at Lovitz on the critic. He, he was a bowling ball human. <laughs> but he was a character. Yeah, so is this. Uh, what you would have looked like on Scooby-Doo or Beavis and Butthead. It's true. It's too accurate. I just want some authenticity. I want a bag under your eye or something. I don't have them. Oh, just son of a bitch. I'm smooth. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Bye.